Welcome into the PFF Daily Betting Podcast. This is the Saturday edition focused heavily on college football. I have a special guest in the chat, some week 12 action with me, Jeff Schwartz, eight-year NFL offensive lineman, Pac-12 today. You hear him on Sirius XM, Fox Sports. He's basically everywhere, and he was kind enough to join me today to give a little bit of insight on you know this slate and the Pac-12 in general. So, Jeff, I appreciate you hopping on with me. How's your Friday treating you? Oh, it's fantastic, man. Another weekend of college football, which obviously I'm excited for. Another weekend of, of NFL football. I mean, it's, it's gonna it's a great weekend. It's a football weekend. And with Thanksgiving next week. Exactly. I mean, we got football basically on for the last 10 days. I don't think it stops until this coming Tuesday. So uh, we've had a lot of action. Maction's been great uh, and everything in between. But I do have to ask you, we had the Seahawks Cardinals game last night. One of the things yeah. that kind of stuck out to me is this, uh, I would say maybe an untold story with Russell Wilson as far as how long he takes to throw the football. I know PFF tracks this. He has the third slowest time this year. Last night, he averaged right around 3.37 seconds on every time to throw. He now has 32 sacks this year, which is the second most basically in the NFL this year. Um, I think sacks are kind of an underrated stat as far as a negative for offenses in general. And I kind of think that quarterback probably deserves most of the blame for a sack. I'm wondering how you kind of evaluate that. Do you think uh, the quarterback is mainly responsible for a sack or do you think it's kind of a little bit on the offensive lineman as well? Uh, well, look, it can be on, on both. This is why it's important to watch the film, obviously, right? Because you can get beat. Like we saw the last play of the game last night where, look, Callum Beecham got beat, right? That's on the offensive yep. tackle. But with, with Russell Wilson specifically, he holds the ball forever, A. Uh, so you have to look and see, is anyone open, right? Is he missing guys or is there no one open, right? When they, he's called the coverage sack. But two is that he he just doesn't at times read the pocket very well. He drops too deep. So there's, it's very important to talk about what our job is up front, right? So right. the interior three guys hold the, you know, hold the width of the pocket or excuse me, the, the, the depth of the pocket, right? They're, they, they're firm up front to keep the depth of the pocket. Good. The width of the pocket is by the tackles, right? And we can only hold the width of the pocket to about 10 yards. Okay. Yep. Anything past 10 yards, it's really hard for us to keep the width of the pocket because it, it just angles, right? It's like hard to kick back 10 yards and keep the, you know, and keep the pocket the way we want to keep it. So the quarterbacks know that as well. They know that if they drop further than, than 10 yards, that's on them. Right. And it's hard to explain to people how that actually works because they just think, oh yeah, just you can block forever. Well, there's angles to this, right? And so, you know, if a quarterback drops, and I, I use Mahomes this year as an example against the Raiders who they, they play this weekend, who by the way, I know is a college but I love the Chiefs this weekend. I know it's, right. it lines out to eight right now, uh, but you know he would drop too deep and it hurts the tackles, right? So there's a balance between how we're supposed to do it, how they're supposed to do it. So yes, it very much feels like a, a quarterback stat more than at times an offensive line stat. And of course, offensive linemen, you know, we allow sacks, we, we don't play well, but this is why it's important to watch what's happening rather than, and by the way, it goes the opposite direction too, right? Quarterbacks that throw the ball quickly can hide a really bad offensive line. People right. don't understand that. They don't get that, right? We've seen that happen in Miami right now. Like people do not understand that a, a quarterback can throw the ball quickly to help their offensive line out. Yep. Yeah, that's a really good point. I'm glad you brought up Patrick Mahomes too, because that was kind of uh, my issues with him early in the season is how far his depth was actually dropping back. He was hitting that nine, 10 yard threshold, basically on most of the, you know, the majority of passing 
passing snaps that they had. And I think it was just leading to an overall, you know, lack of offensive playmaking ability for them. I know he's obviously trying to draw time for Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey to get open downfield, but some of that uh, is more beneficial to probably be stepping up in certain situations and actually having it back. So Which that is interesting. Him, by the way, he is, he has done, he admitted after that game, he's got to do more. And the offense does function better when he does do that. And look, I know the Super Bowl, the the Jet Wasp play, he bought himself time there. But that was very specific. The third and 14, he knew the route was going to be late developing and he had to buy himself time. And people just assume like, oh, Pat's a, you know, Pat's on the Hall of Fame track. He's MVP, Super Bowl MVP, all that stuff. Right. Let him do what he wants. That's not really the way it works, guys. Like the reason he's successful is because he kind of follows the plan that's in place in the offense. And when you execute the offense, what everyone does, right? Not just him, not just the offensive line, the running backs, the tight ends, the wide receivers. It works really well when you do what you're supposed to do. And so there is some balance here to pass protection, to play calling. And like I said, you can hide your quarterback and your offensive line in play calling, play action pass, move the pocket, uh, you know, uh, a screen game. So really what it comes down to is on third and seven plus, can you pass protect? Can your quarterback you know, can he drop where he's supposed to go? Does he know where the ball's going? Does he know his outlets? That's when you really tell if a team can pass protect. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a really good point. I think that's advice that few others actually understand and can, you know, articulate in such a way that you can, which is great. So I'm going to pivot just a little bit here. Penny Sewall, I know you're, you know, a Ducks yeah. alum. I'm sure you've been watching him quite a bit. I'm wondering how you evaluate him as an offensive line prospect. Where does he stack up as some of the best prospects we've seen over the last five to 10 years? Yeah, I put him in the category of like the track of Joe Thomas. I mean, that's okay. I think the best the best guy I've seen. So here's the thing about Panay. It's really interesting. Um, for as good as he was, he won the Allen Trophy 19 years old. He's only 20 right now. He's going to grow so much between now and even the time he's drafted, the time he's drafted for the next three or four years. He still has like, and this is, again, it's not like a slight to him, but he has like a kid's body still, right? It's not right. developed into an, an NFL offensive lineman's body yet, right? Like he right. has so much room to just physically mature that when he does, he'll be an even better football player. And so, I, you know, there's a couple of things that I was actually looking forward to seeing him play this year for a couple of reasons. One is that, you know, in the offense they ran the last two years, there were not a lot of drop back pass opportunities. There wasn't a lot of opportunity for me to just see him one-on-one, like I mentioned, in a pure pass situation, how he does. Now, the new offense is much more in that in that mold. So I was looking forward to seeing him do that. Just, well, just general stuff. I think sometimes he doesn't bend his knees enough. He goes right. for kill shots on linebackers. But, God, he's the real deal, man. He is yeah. so good. And the thing about Panay that is really impressive is – he knows that he can be so much better. And he is a, a he is a student of the game. He asks a ton of questions. He wants to be better. He's curious. He works his ass off. So all those things about him make me so excited for his future. Yeah, I mean, that's exciting. I do I do like the fact that you brought up age as a component as well. I think that's a lot of things that people gloss over. It's something that I've studied a little bit more at the wide receiver position as far as breakouts at the NFL level. So I do think there's definitely something there. We just haven't seen a ton of offensive line prospects in that mold that are kind of on the younger age and seeing how well they would actually develop in the NFL. Yeah. So that is a really interesting point. So that's good. So let's talk a little bit of college football. And before we dive into the main slate, yeah. do you think a Pac-12 team gets into the college football playoffs this year? And if so, what team is it? No, uh, a couple of reasons why. I mean, USC is the best option, uh, but they're not very good. I don't know if you watch right. USC play. I thought they're they're one of the more disappointing teams in the country this year. Now they're two and zero, sure, but 
but they've only led both their games, I think, by combined, you know, for like six minutes total against Arizona State and against Arizona, who wasn't supposed to be very good this year. They're going to be 6-0. and The Pac-12 South is not very good. Now, this weekend's game is, is fairly interesting. They're in yeah. Utah, in Salt Lake City. I think it's the latest game USC has played in 60 years. They're playing, a, I think, like an 8.30 mountain time kickoff. It's yeah. super late. Uh, it might even be 9.30 mountain. It's a super late. Uh, it's 11.30 Eastern kick. So um, it's going to be bitter cold in Salt Lake City this weekend, and we know USC doesn't play well in the cold. But Utah, though, playing their first game of the season, they have nine new defensive starters, a new quarterback, a new running back, a new left tackle. Like they have all these new parts that it feels very unlikely they would win that game. So USC is going to run the table in the South. The question becomes obviously who comes out, who comes out of the North and challenge them. But right now it has to be Oregon, right? Yeah. Um, Oregon uh, will get another backup quarterback this weekend. So it's hard, tough to make a case that they're playing tough competition, but offensively number one, in the country in yards per play through two games uh, with a new offensive line, brand new offensive line, brand new quarterback, brand new offense. But Oregon's not going to have like the the quality win. I think like the, right. they'll play Washington if they beat Washington, sure. But Cal, I thought Cal was going to be good this year, but Cal missed uh, the first week and then played poorly against UCLA. So uh, I, I think nobody. I mean, even if if Oregon beats USC, they'll be seven and zero. Look, you have you have the four teams right now that I don't think are going to change: Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, Notre Dame. I mean, okay. even if even if Clemson beats Notre Dame in the ACC championship game, Notre Dame's schedule with how they already beat Clemson, there's no one, maybe Florida beats Alabama and you look at both those teams, but I feel like it's pretty much locked into to those four teams in the playoff. Yep. I don't see how Oregon or USC can make the case they should be in the playoff. Yeah, I definitely like that. Unfortunately, I don't think Cincinnati is going to do quite enough either to get there. I do think I would agree. I think the odds basically have Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, and then it's basically kind of a toss-up between Florida and Notre Dame. But I think with Notre Dame uh, beating Clemson earlier, and even if they lose in the ACC title game, they yeah. should get in here still. So we'll see. I'm kind of I'm curious how you're handling this dynamic. We kind of you kind of touched on it a little bit before, but uh, obviously there's a lot of uncertainty with teams playing and stuff like that throughout the season. We've seen some conferences uh, for a number of weeks now. The Pac-12 is basically just getting started. How are you handling this from more of like a betting perspective? Are you kind of, uh, you know, buying into it right away, Jace, just because you're like most comfortable with the Pac-12 or is there a spot you're kind of laying off of just because we have, don't have much data on any of these teams at this point in time? I'll tell you what, man. College football this year has been a trip for gambling. Um, <laughs> you know, I feel like I do really well one week and then really bad the next week. I have no feel, but I'm really good at the Pac-12. And so right. I have a good feel for the Pac-12 conference this year. Uh, you know, look, the Oregon line ballooned to 17 this week, but I was still taking on the 13 and a half. That was, it was odd. You know, UCLA won big against, against Cal. And I think everyone kind of bought on the UCLA train, but Oregon should win this game by a lot. And obviously their, their quarterback's not playing uh, as UCLA probably not playing. So yeah, I mean, I did better on the Pac-12. I was really good on last. I covered for a living. Like that's, right. it helps me cover a conference for a living. I think the lines often are not correct in our conference. Um, and you know, like, like USC, for example, USC is only a three point favorite at Utah this weekend. People I think are looking at Utah as last year's Utah team, not the team right. that's replacing like 17 starters off their team last season. And it hasn't, you know, hasn't played a game yet this year. I know USC again, not very impressive, but I mean, Utah. So like, I think there's some, there's some discrepancies there, but I, I, I just, it's like I said, one week, good, one week, bad, no kind of feel, but I do feel though, as we're getting into the meat of like everyone playing now, right. I feel like I have a, a little better grasp on, you know, how it's going to go. I've done a good job of like, I, one thing I've done great this year, fade Mississippi state, just fade <laughs> them every week. Like this week, they're favored Georgia favored by 25. I think the under is the better play in that game, right. but JT Daniels playing for Georgia. Now, finally, good quarterback, good quarterback. Right. I think Georgia will be much better in offense off a of bye. Mississippi state 
They're not good on offense. I, I t- could tell anyone, I watched Mike Leach for six years at the Pac-12 Conference. This is going to happen. I was like, everyone knows what's going to happen. Um, and so I think we're, we're starting to see some teams and some trends emerge that really are helpful. Yeah, I definitely think you agree with you on that. So I'm, I'm kind of curious about that Georgia quarterback situation. I'm wondering if you have any insight on it, because I thought JT Daniels was basically going to win the job after Jamie Newman announced that he was not going to play because of COVID. And then we had Stetson Ben. And I know there was a little bit of injury situation related to JT Daniels, but there was a lot of uncertainty there and they didn't really come out and say that he was injured. So I'm wondering, was Stetson Bennett kind of the one who won the job out of camp or was this more of a reflection of JT Daniels basically just not being ready somewhat due to injury, somewhat due to the fact they didn't really understand the offense. Do you have any idea? I would say, I would say it's probably a combination of everything you said. It's probably a little bit of, of recovering from injury, not knowing the offense and just not being there, right? Like right. transferring late in the process, the whole COVID off season. Like he didn't have really have a, he didn't have a spring, he didn't have a chance to get in the, in the rhythm. I think they will be much better though with Jake Daniels in the game. He was good at USC. Right. Uh, he, he would have been good in this offense before he got hurt last season. So I think they're going to see a major upgrade. Remember, he was a he was a five-star recruit. He came into USC early. They were doing hype videos for JT Daniels before he even showed up at USC. Like, they, I mean, he was a legit prospect right. out of Southern California. So I'm excited to see how he does. Uh, Mississippi State's defense hasn't been half bad, though. Their offense has been atrocious, but their defense has been about average. So I'm curious to see how the Georgia offense just improves with him in the lineup. Yeah, it's definitely interesting because I I like JT Daniels at USC kind of like you mentioned. So I was surprised, you know, Keaton Slovis obviously looked good last year, but I didn't know that they were necessarily going to name him the starter this year quickly enough for JT Daniels to transfer. That was, so that was kind of a shock to me. But then, you know, Keaton Slovis hasn't necessarily done um, that great so far, at least from our grading perspective. I think he sits no, fifth no, overall, no, basically. In the from, Pac-12. From, from, from my eye perspective either. So yeah. there's not, the grading system works great, obviously, but so does my eyes. And I don't... You know, we've asked, I, I do my Pac-12 show like you mentioned, and we've asked Sean Salisbury this week, Max Brown, Joel Klatt talked about it on the, on, the, on the telecast on Saturday. He was throwing those wobbly balls. Like, I don't right. understand what he, what, it wasn't windy in Tucson. He just throwing like these wobbly balls and all of a sudden he just like zip one perfectly in there. So I don't know what's up with him. I, it doesn't make sense why the offense isn't, isn't quite as gelled together as it should besides their offensive line. The left tackle is very good. Elijah Vera Tucker, everyone else, not very good. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, the last little bit I receiver, Michael Pittman, of course, who was probably looking quite good for the Colts at this point. But like outside of Alabama though, who's better than Tyler Vaughn and St. Brown. Tyler Vaughn's I do like quite a bit. Yeah. It's like, there's no, but it's just outside of Alabama. No one has a better trio of wide receivers. Right. Right. That is true. That is true. The air raid. I don't know what it is. So how would you evaluate the quarterback so far in the PAC 12? How are you stacking them up? Sam Neuer? Is he, you know, sitting up there, Jaden Delara? How are you, how are you evaluating well, the play at this point in time? Delara is supposedly out for COVID now for two is weeks. He? So, yeah. Can't even so, keep yeah. up with the COVID. I can keep up with yeah. the regular injuries. I can't keep up with the COVID at this point. So, um, look, uh, obviously we just talked about, about Keenan Slovis. He should be better. He's not. Um, you know, Davis Mills was supposed to be good this year. He's only right. played one game and the first half of that game, he looked kind of rusty. The Sam Neuer thing is interesting because I went back and watched their offensive line, actually, like not half bad, like they're playing some good football. Um, they're doing a good job with the scheme there. I feel like they're getting him in spots where it's, it's one read, two reads, easy throws, play action pass bootlegs. They're putting him in a good, I mean, look, when you hit a slant for 75 yard touchdown, it looks great <laughs> for everyone. Right. I mean, the quarterback, you know, that ball's gone. Touchdown. That's a good job by everybody. Um, so he's done a good job so far. I'm curious to see how that carries over. They're off this week, obviously. Look, Jaden Daniels is really good, but he hasn't played. I can't, you right. know, how do you evaluate a guy who hasn't played? And Arizona State might not play the rest of the year. The, their numbers are bad. Things aren't going well there. 
Uh, Tyler Shuck, the UCLA, UCLA, the Oregon quarterback, um, he's been in, in, inconsistent, I'd say. I mean, right. there's some good stuff he does, and he's he's thrown three or four really turnover-worthy passes, like right into, into the defender's hands. He doesn't – if he looks to the right and he looks left, back to his third option, essentially, he never sees the linebacker dropping into that zone. It's, I mean, it's young, right? It's his second start right. in, in this offense. But he's also made some big throws. He, he threw Travis – so he's done kind of a, a – he cleans up a little bit. He'll be really good, I think. Right. Uh, then Dorian Thompson Robinson at UCLA had his best game in a long time on on Sunday, but uh, Cal just blew a ton of coverages. They're just guys wide open. So I don't know, I don't know how good he is. I'm curious to see against Oregon this weekend. Uh, well, I guess he's out. Who knows? So like all these guys are out. How do right, I don't exactly. know? Like, <laughs> all out. Like you know, you know, you know Grant Gannell, um, Arizona's quarterback had a good first game, but we've had two weeks. How do you exactly. evaluate guys That's two true. weeks? It's a small sample size. That was kind of my original question, especially from like the betting perspective is how are we sizing this up? But yeah, like you said, we do have a number We're of not. injury like, situations so, that are just crazy. It, it, it's This is why I feel like I have a better feel of the SEC now. I have a better feel of the Big right. Ten now. Like I, for example, like I like Indiana to cover this weekend. I don't think they win, but 20 and a half. Indiana's defense is kind of good, guys. Like their havoc rate is really good. You know, they they they're re- they're really good at a third and out percentage. I think they're fifth or tenth somewhere around there and forcing th- three and outs. Um, but we have this data now. We have four games of data. Right. Like you can so you can kind of like you can feel better about gamble on certain teams and like you know like like I said, anti Mississippi State. I like Florida a lot. I bet on them a bunch. Like you kind of can tell who these teams are now. Um, but in the Pac-12, you can't. And by the time you figure it out, the season's over. Exactly. It's going to be a quick one, that's for sure. So what are, what are some of your best bets? You've talked about a couple already. Uh, just to recap yeah. quick, we kind of like Indiana at 20 and a half. Don't mind. I think, I think USC, actually, I'm seeing it at two and a half. And I think that there's actually quite a bit of value at USC at two and a half at that point. Do you like that I player? So. I think are so, you, too. Yeah. yeah. And then... So uh, I, like, I, I like Indiana... Uh, we talked about why. Look, like I said, Indiana third and out, they're actually 12. So defensively, uh, they're really good on third. You know, they force a bunch of three and outs. They're fifth in the country in in red zone defense as well. Uh, they're eighth in in, in in yards per drive. Like their, their defense is really good. So I'm excited to see how they go against Ohio State um, this weekend. I mentioned Oregon. I think even out to 17, I, w- I would take it probably up to three touchdowns. Okay. Um, I mean, they, they're just – their offense is, is good. Their def- they're a good football team. I'm telling you guys, all, I've been saying this all week, all, really all year. I'll say it again to you guys now. Next year will be the first time Oregon will have a legit chance to win a title in our history. Like, I, the Chip Kelly teams were good, but, like, this is a, this is a different type of good. We're, like, physical good. Like, right. we're going to beat you in line of scrimmage. Like, next year, the year after that, the way we're recruiting right now, where I'm so excited for our future. Th- this year is like a wash for me. It's just, like, just – just kind of like get in the offense, show what you can do, and get ready for next season. Don't get anyone hurt. Yeah. Um, so I like I'm that. Lock, I'm, I'm locking that bet in here in January, then for sure, based on your analysis there. So um, I have to get some ducks. I, look, I like I like Georgia. The line is like 25, I think. Last I checked, I like the underline that game. I feel like again, um, JT Daniels should spark that offense a little bit. Mississippi State's defense is is not not that bad. I, I yeah. feel like that's a spot that um, that you could take. Um, the under there. Uh, I like Wisconsin to cover the six, I believe, uh, at Northwestern. That line does not feel right. Wisconsin, right, is much better than Northwestern. Yeah, so I see it at seven and a half at this point in time. So it is a little bit further out there. It did cross the key number seven. At seven and a half, do you like it still for Wisconsin? You probably basically uh, laying I, off it at that see, point. I think I got it earlier this week, like six and a you, half. I think you probably did. Feels, yeah. Feels much better, six and a half. Um, the one thing about this that, that, 
is not applicable now is like home field advantage. Not that there right. really was anyways, because Northwestern would be half Wisconsin fans anyways, but it doesn't feel like there's quite as much of that kind of home field um, advantage here. I think, I mean, Northwestern, like, I, I feel like Wisconsin is in a, just offensively this year in a really good groove, right? right. I know even they missed that, you know, missed a game, came back. Northwestern just can't score. I think I still would take them a seven and a half. It's not a good number. I got a, got a much better number earlier in the week, but I think I still like them here. Yeah. So I, that is kind of an interesting point that you brought up as far as like the home field advantage. I'm wondering more from like your past playing experience and stuff like that. Do you think that has an effect, um, you know, on the team performance in general, when you have kind of that crowd behind you, when you're playing in, you know, a familiar environment sort of thing, or is that something that maybe the market overrated for a certain time and now is kind of readjusting at this point? Um, I think, I think it does matter, um, okay. especially when you have like young team who's good on the road against a good team. It's like, you, 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 so the thing about the crowd noise is that it, it makes it tough to think. It's not really that you can't hear anything. Yeah. It's not like, oh, oh, oh I can't hear the quarterback. No, no, it's, you can't think like, imagine trying to work at home. Like you're listening to this podcast right now and there's just, there's a jackhammer outside your window. There's toddlers right? screaming how, everywhere and stuff. Like how, how hard is it to like work with a jackhammer? Okay. Right. Now imagine you're at the line of scrimmage and you're an offensive lineman. I'm in my stance and I have a guy that wants to run me over in front of me and I have 30 seconds to sit there and be like, okay, here's my assignment. Here's what I have to do. Here's it. And just, just, just it's like, so that's, that's what it is. Right. It's not the like communication right. so much. It's, it's hard to think. And then when you start not playing well and the crowd is like just going crazy like it's just it's hard so you don't have that this year right you don't have right. it this year and right. um and not that again not northwestern is an amazing home field advantage um so yeah i think that um that uh and one other bet too stanford minus three and a half now if washington state's quarterback's not playing i, I don't really see how that game is very close yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I do. I mean, there are a few spots in the Pac-12, especially that were like, you know, we just don't have a really good understanding of the quarterback play. Again, going back to it, UCLA, Dorian Thompson Robinson probably is going to be sitting out as well. So I think that's just, um, you know, another positive in the direction of Oregon. I think the lines move basically a little bit out to 17 and a half uh, based on that news a little bit. So yeah. uh, it's kind of tough move. to evaluate yeah. some of these things. So any last uh, favorite bets you got locked in here? Any plays on some of, you yeah, know, I, I think, Cincinnati I think, UCF or anything like that. No, yeah, I, I think Cincinnati is a spot. I think Cincinnati is a spot there. They're, they're just, they're playing really well, especially defensively. And they, they know this is a big game for them, right? right. To continue kind of on that road to, um, you know, to, uh, to maybe a playoff. Uh, they're number one in the country, by the way, their defense and points uh, per scoring opportunity. So like right. their defense is really good. And, 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 you know, UCF's offense just isn't as good this year. It's not that right. they're bad. They're just not as good this year. And so I think Cincinnati, again, there's no home field advantage. Like I know it's, it, maybe it's, it's warmer in Florida than it is right now in Cincinnati. And so maybe there's a, a weather factor there. Um, but that's kind of what I'm looking at as far as my favorite plays of the week. So I, really the Pac-12, it's, it's Oregon one. And then I think USC, I think Cal minus three is a pretty good bet. Cal's not going to play as bad as they did on, on Sunday against Oregon State. 
Yeah, I backed him last week, so I don't know if I can go back to the well again this week. I do have the UCF Cincinnati under 63 and a half, kind of based on what you said that Cincinnati defense, I think, um, is, you know, obviously really good. I do think people quite understand that, but I don't think that people quite have fully understood that UCF's probably not as good offensively as they have been in previous years so far this year. So that's a spot yeah. that I definitely like as well, which is kind of interesting. So I don't know, we're kind of, we're losing a decent amount of games as well. Do you have any feel on like Michigan Rutgers? Um, no, Oklahoma state, Oklahoma state, Oklahoma. I think that's like the last uh, top 25 matchup. Yeah. I I feel like I, I slightly lean Oklahoma state here. The last time this game was in Norman, right? There was a one point game. Um, and we, you know, we talk about offense, but again, I've been pointing to this a lot today. Defense, Oklahoma state's defense, pretty good. Right. And Oklahoma's offense, just not quite the same. And, and look, eventually, right, they weren't going to have Heisman quarterbacks every year. So Smetler, uh, Rattler is like, he's not a Heisman contender right now. They're up right. and down a little bit. Oklahoma State's defense, again, doing a good job offensively. They're starting to get more in a rhythm on offense. Um, and they're coming off a loss and a bye week. Um, so I think they, they cover this game, uh, and keeps, keep it very close. Yeah. I don't mind that. I kind of lean towards it. Seven. Um, obviously it's pretty decent number. If you could get Oklahoma state seven and a half, I definitely think that's a viable play. So, uh, this was great. Jeff, any final thoughts? Um, anything coming up here for Saturday? Just wait for my ducks in 2021 folks, 2021 lock in those future bets. We're we're getting, we're, we're getting there. We're, 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 we're on our way. I'm excited. Yep. Pac-12 championship, national championship, college football playoff. Get all those bets in January 21st. Let's go here. Uh, Jeff, I do appreciate you jumping on. Definitely check out Jeff's Sirius XM, Fox Sports. He's everywhere on Twitter. I think he's uh, Jeff Schwartz as well. Give him a follow. Uh, he's great. He talks a lot about, you know, all sorts of betting aspects as well as, as well as you know, college football and NFL. He has some great insights. So I definitely appreciate you jumping on, Jeff. Have a great day. Thank you. Thanks for having me.